Anyways, are we about ready? Yeah, sorry, I went a little far. Yeah, you, you had to you had to unpack. I can tell. <laughs> well, you're messing with your shit too. Yeah, it took me a while to get set up. So, anyways, right. I think we're good to go. Good to go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Four Thirty in the Morning. This is your boy Ben, and Pat is back as well. How you doing, Pat? I'm here. Here. I think I'm probably doing a little bit better than you are, based on <laughs> everything you just described before we got started today. But I'm here. We're doing it. A little tired, but, you know. Episode, uh, what, 47? Episode 47. AK-47. AK-47. Have you ever fired one of those? Nope. I have, believe it or not. You've hired an AK-47. I fired an AK-47. All right. Tell me this damn story. <laughs> this wasn't too long ago. This was with my <laughs> uncle. My uncle has been collecting guns for a while now, uh-huh. and we, him and I went out shooting a, a few months ago, and he has an AK-47. Why he has it, I don't know. Yeah, because those aren't legal for sale in the United States, are they? Because They're legal. You can get them. Now, is now AK-47s may... are not automatic. They're semi-automatic, correct? They're, they can be both, but you're not going to get an automatic AK-47. Okay. I just want to, yeah. That's what yeah, I you're not yeah. going to get one that's automatic. Right. It's not super easy to control. It's got a little bit more kick than like your AR-15 or something like that. Sure. I couldn't hit anything with it because it just had the iron sights. Like, I was pulling every shot right. Right. It's a very uh, practical gun, I guess, but it's not really intuitive. Like the safety's weird. Huh. The mag release is weird. Everything's weird about it. I mean, you can tell it feels like a Russian gun. It feels like what the communist Russians would crank out. Obviously, it's durable and it's going to last long. But I didn't like using it, especially. Huh. And the other thing people forget about is that barrel heats up and it heats up quickly. Yeah, yeah, sure. So like we fired, I think we probably put sixty rounds through it total, and it was hot. Like, damn, it was like hard to hold at the end of that. So that's crazy. Anyways, that's the AK forty-seven episode number forty-seven, the AK forty-seven <laughs> special. Any good? Uh, any football players you know that were number forty-seven that you think um, of? I think the Browns' long snapper does. I think that's what Charlie Hewlett wears. Did Kiko Alonso wear forty-seven? That seems like a Kiko Alonso number two. Yeah, I can't remember for sure but it's like that again it's like a long snapper number sure for sure anyways andre karolinko wore number 47 ah. he was a russian basketball player russian basketball player and All his right. nickname was ak-47 because oh he wore God. number 47 and he was russian <laughs> and his name was andre karolinko makes sense he was one of those guys that everybody thought was gonna be really good but he just it just never came all together for him shot always pulled to the right didn't it yes <laughs> anyways uh <laughs> that might all be getting cut but episode 47. Episode 47. Do you got any news stories today? Yeah. So, this is from sciencealert.com. Okay. Scientists figured out how and when our sun will die, and it's going to be epic. That's the headline. How and when? Okay. Previously, astronomers thought it would turn into a planetary nebula, a luminous bubble of gas and dust until evidence suggested it would have to be a fair bit more massive. An international team of astronomers flipped it again in 2018 and found that a planetary nebula is indeed the most likely solar corpse. The sun is about 4.6 billion years old, gouged on the age of other objects in the solar system that formed around the same time. Based on observations of other stars, astronomers predict it will reach the end of its life in another 10 billion years. So okay. we, re- we really don't need to worry about that. Not even to worry about the sun, at least. Yeah. There are other things that will happen along the way, of course. In about 5 billion years, the sun is due to turn into a red giant. The core of the star will shrink but the outer layers will expand out in the orbit of Mars, engulfing our planet in the process, if it's still even here. One thing is certain, by that time, we most certainly won't be around. In fact, humanity only has about one billion years left unless we find a way off this rock. That's because the sun is increasing its brightness by about 10% every billion years. Makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. That doesn't sound like much, but the increase in brightness will end life on Earth. Our oceans will evaporate, and the surface will become too hot for water to form. 
will be about as kaput as you can get. Sure. So, I mean, that's basically, there's more to the article, but basically the hunch is, is that we're going to be toast yeah. in about a billion years. So or, they're or saying so. they're saying it's going to turn into a nebula? That that was the original. That was the original? Oh, that was the original theory. I, yeah, okay. that was the original theory. Because but, I thought that a nebula was like what a star, be, like the birth of a star is a nebula, and it like coalesces into a star. Sure. And then I thought that... The supernova was what the star turns into when it collapses. Right. But I don't know for sure about that. Maybe it is the opposite. It could be. These guys are probably a lot oh, smarter. No. Um, yeah, in 2018, and found that a planetary nebula is indeed the most likely solar corpse. So they flipped it again in 2018 from sure. the bubble of gas and dust uh, planetary nebula theory. Yeah, they honestly probably don't know. Because Definitely. if you've been probably observing not. stars for since we've had telescopes, you can't really make observations before then. We don't have enough time to determine if a nebula is really the start of the stop. Sure. We can estimate, we can guess, but you can't really determine that. Nobody knows what the hell's going to happen. What I want to see happen is, like, we don't know, like, when some of the stars that we see might go up in flames and might become, like, a supernova or a nebula. Mm-hmm. But it is possible that that could just happen. Like, a star that we know just, like, blows up and it looks completely different. Right. Now, it would be blowing up years and years and years ago, but we'd be able to see it right. whenever the light travels as far, so... That's crazy. It's crazy the way space works, you know? Yeah. Anyways, that's a good news story. Thank you. My first one is pretty dumb. Sure. I got this one from The Guardian, but I saw this one on a couple different sites. Baby cougar rescued from New York City apartments. A baby cougar? Cougar. Like the cat. Sure. Now, this is a ridiculous but not unprecedented situation. Basically, the cougar's name is Sasha, and it was bought by its Bronx owners as a pet. So they had it in the Bronx. They were like, we're going to keep Sasha the cougar as a pet. Oh, my God. Now, Sasha is 11 months old at this point. And she weighs 80 pounds already. And for some reason, they just didn't count on her growing up. And apparently something happened because it went from not being a big deal, Sasha not being a big deal, to all of a sudden they're calling, uh, they called the Humane Society in, which isn't really the first person that you probably would call them. They're not the best equipped to handle a cougar. Probably not. But apparently something happened and they realized that Sasha's got to go. <laughs> I don't know what, what the incident is. I didn't get into the details as of that, but something happened. Possibly a scratch or two or something. And this is an 80 pound cat. This yeah, is no bigger than shit. most dogs. <laughs> and so they panicked and they called the Humane Society and the Humane Society he got in contact with some other people, including the Bronx Zoo, and they took Sasha out of the zoo for a while just to treat her, and then they finally found an animal sanctuary in Arkansas where Sasha now lives. Wow. So at least she got out of there. At least she's okay. Right. And at least she didn't go down to Big Cat Rescue in Tampa, Florida. Yeah, for with sure. With that bitch uh, Carol fucking Baskin. No shit. Because that would have been worse than death as far as I'm concerned. Definitely. But Sasha's out. It's a pretty dumb news story, but I just don't understand. So did the people like get in trouble for having a cougar? They didn't cite anything. It didn't cite any problems. <laughs> so they got away with it? I don't think you're allowed to have a cougar as a pet. You're not allowed to have a lot of these things as pets. So you just find them and you get them, basically. Oh, now, this is this is in the middle of New York City. They're like, we're going to have this thing live in our apartment in the Bronx. <laughs> Seriously. It's absolutely ridiculous. And this isn't the first time that something like this has happened. There was a guy that had a 400-pound tiger in his <laughs> New York City apartment back in 2003. Oh, my. Yeah. Eventually, it ate like twenty pounds of chicken in like a day or something, and you realize that it just—it just wasn't sustainable anymore. Yeah, no shit. I don't understand. What do people think is gonna happen with these animals? Do people just underestimate wild animals? Like, do they think all animals are just—they're just tamed not, or well, like, they're—they're they're fun. They're fun as cubs. As a cub, the animals are fun, but they grow and they grow quickly. Yeah. I just don't understand why people don't think about that long term. People are very short-sighted, I guess. Maybe they're just like. 
Uh, I'll keep it for a little while, then I'll get rid of it, and you know, just want to. But then, but then you're getting, you're, but then you're getting attached I, to the animal. Exactly, and then it's like, shit, I'm not supposed to have this. If I call the authorities to take this thing, I might get in trouble. I just want to know what the incident was that was like. Okay, <laughs> now this is getting <laughs> yeah, out of hand. Definitely, maybe it like started growling or something. I don't know. It was about getting ready to attack. But that's that's my first news story. That's my dumb one. That's funny. Anyways, you got any more news today? Yeah, I do. So this one's kind of dumb, but I thought it was pretty funny. This is from. Metro UK. So, man somehow swallows entire phone and then needs doctors to remove it. No matter how many sips of water you try it with, it doesn't seem to want to go down. Well, at least one person doesn't seem to have that problem. He somehow managed to swallow an entire imitation Nokia 3310 phone. Doctors in Kazavo had to help the unidentified 33-year-old man after the phone had become lodged in his stomach. It was too large for him to digest and put his life in danger as corrosive battery acid could have leaked out. Skender tells Jaku, who led the medical team, shared photos on Facebook of the phone after it was removed, as well as x-ray and endoscopy images while it was still inside. He managed to remove the foreign object without cutting into the stomach by taking it out in three pieces with endoscopy. There were no complications, he said. The phone is to believe, is believed to be an L8 Star BM90, a model that is designed to look like the Nokia 3310, but is smaller. So the guy didn't know what kind of phone he swallowed? He just ate it? I think he knew what he swallowed. He just wanted to see if he could swallow it, apparently. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, like who just follows that shit? Uh, what, what, what brings you to the point to where you decide to swallow a phone? I, I can't imagine being the doctor in this scenario. Exactly. You've trained your entire life, all the medical school, and you got to take a phone out of some, some jackass that swallowed it. For real, man. That that that's basically that article. You can find that at Metro UK. Like, I, I listen to that and it's just unreal. What a life! What a world! Every week we somehow find something even dumber than we did <laughs> exactly, last week. Exactly. Anyways, I'm, are you ready for my next one? Let's do it. Now this one is gonna be very complicated. This might be the longest news story, and this is one that I know you've seen on Facebook this week or within the last week or two, probably okay. the last week. Okay. It's been going on since Sunday, August 29th. I'm going to cite Total Pro Sports on this one as my source because this was the Facebook page I was basically updating everything, and they published the original article that Mm -hmm. I read about this one. Sure. And the headline reads, ESPN got duped by high school football program, complains during live telecast. So if that headline didn't make sense, I'm going to break it down real quick, and I know that you saw this. Okay. So on Sunday, August 29th, ESPN ran their Geico ESPN High School Kickoff Showcase. Now, this is on the actual ESPN. This isn't on ESPN2 or ESPNU. This is the actual ESPN, and they've been doing this for a while. They've been doing this high school kickoff showcase where they go out there and they try to find two of the biggest high school football programs in the country. Usually, these are two teams that aren't in the same state. Now, I guess they have like a a media group that finds the schools and screens them and puts them on ESPN. So, they're looking for the best programs, like the top recruits, and the one school they brought in was IMG Academy out of Florida, which has four four of the top 50 recruits for the next recruiting class all on the same team. Damn. So four of the top 50, and they have nine of the top 300. So this is a school their entire roster is four- and five-star recruits. Unreal. Think about that for a yeah, second. Yeah, that's incredible. So this is one of the best high school programs. I mean, these guys, we're looking at future NFL players throughout this entire roster, basically. Sure. So they traveled to Canton, Ohio, to play a team out of Columbus that I've never heard of called Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> and have you seen this new, you've seen this new story, right? You I, haven't I, seen this one? I think... I, I remember Sycamore. Okay. That's for sure. Now, we're familiar with high school football, at least in the state of Ohio, a little bit. Sure, a little bit, yeah. And you know the big schools out of, out of the city, at least. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Bishop Sycamore before? Never. 
So this game airs, and it's like you have IMG Academy with their entire roster out there, and they're kicking ass. <laughs> and then Bishop Sycamore shows up, and they're wearing just like all black, plain uniforms. Oh, no. They have about 30 players on the sideline. Oh, no. And they're looking at the roster, and the roster was just like somebody who just like typed it up and printed it off real quick. Like, there was not a whole lot of information about the players on the roster. You couldn't find heights or weights or positions in some cases. Or the numbers weren't even accurate in some cases. And <sighs> IMG Academy, pretty quickly, like, just started kicking the shit out of these guys. Sure. The sideline for Bishop Sycamore looked disorganized. Everybody was like, what the hell is going on? These are supposed to be two of the best high school football teams in the country. <laughs> this is on ESPN. Right. And in the second quarter, early in the second quarter, the announcers were like, um, well, we were told that Bishop Sycamore had a number of Division One recruits. But we couldn't verify that anywhere. Oh my! And the final God. score ended up being fifty-eight to nothing. Uh, I guess they kept on the refs kind of kept on trying to get the coach to expedite the game. The Bishop Sycamore coach, he's like, hey, we want to do a running clock. We want to do this. We want to do that. And he refused everything. He was like, no, we're gonna play the game the right way or something. Oh my! God. So this is on ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports, according to themselves. <laughs> And they aired a game between IMG Academy, the best high school football team in the country, and Bishop Sycamore out of Columbus, Ohio. Why did they pick Bishop Sycamore? That I cannot figure out. And I dived really deep into the story. I still can't figure out how they got on. I have a theory as to how they got on. I'm thinking of a theory. So the question becomes, well, how did the school get on ESPN? The first place that uh, curious reporters and curious fans started the research was, well, let's go to the school and find out. Let's go to Bishop Sycamore High School and let's find out what the hell's going on with them because they claim to have these Division One recruits. Obviously, somebody believed them because they played on ESPN. <laughs> So what was going on? So they go to the website for the school, and it's like a, a janky website, oh, and it lists several addresses. And they're like, okay, well, this is at least a start. Now, there's nothing, there's not a whole lot about the school, a little bit about the football team, basically, but there's not a lot about the school. So they go to the first address, and it is a library for Franklin University. Oh, my God. The next address is a one of the, it's like an independent sports training complex that just hosts teams, and you rent out the facility to practice or whatever. The third address was just a P.O. box. <laughs> so they can't figure out, well, where, where does the school exist? We want to talk to the principal, the administration, the athletic director maybe. We want to talk to somebody about, about this football team. Who are they really and why are they lying? So then people are thinking, and then they're like, well, have we really heard of the high school before? Have we even heard of it? Because most high schools, you at least know that they exist yeah, for, for, sure. for the most part. So the question was, okay, well, if they're a real high school, we can go to the Ohio Department of Education who has tabs on every school, whether it's public, private, yeah. parochial, Christian, Catholic, whatever. As long as it's an accredited or an accredited institution, it's registered with the state. Sure. And this is true for grade schools all the way through high schools and colleges, basically. So, okay, let's go to the Ohio Department of Education. Let's find out something about Bishop Sycamore. They go there, and there's, like, nothing about the school. Unreal. The only thing that they had, and it was, this wasn't, like, an official record, but they had something that said that it was a, a tax-exempt, non-traditional, unaccredited institution. And in 2020, it registered three students. <laughs> that was all that they had about the high school oh in official God. records. And this, was, this was, wasn't even, like, official records. So then they were like, well, we need to find somebody to talk to about this team. The only people that they had, the only name that they had was this coach named Roy Johnson, who was the head coach of the team. And they're like, okay, here's, here's somebody we at least know the name of. Let's do some research on this guy. It turns out that he's already got a civil suit pending in an Ohio court somewhere for fraud. So they dug in a little bit deeper, and it was like, well, he's got these fraud charges. And then he's also been involved in a bunch of, like, get-rich-quick schemes. Like, at one point, he was, like, allied with this Episcopalian church. And he was selling life insurance on behalf of the church, even though he wasn't really associated with the church. Oh, my God. 
And then uh, he does currently have out a six-figure bank loan that he hasn't made a payment on. So people are like, okay, well, this guy's completely shady as hell. So then they're like, well, we need to find something. So they start talking to the players. They're like, we, they wanted to contact a player, basically. Like, what is going on here? And the one kid was like, we, we were told that it was like a second chance high school for kids that didn't get to go to college because they something happened in high school and they didn't get the chance. And they were sold the idea that this Bishop Sycamore school was going to pay for everything for the kids, was going to pay for training, and they were going to be able to train at Ohio State Stadium. And they were told all this, all this stuff. And then, so the kids signed up and they showed up and they were told to go to a hotel and they were living in this hotel for a month. And they would practice like once a week, and practice is a strong word. But they, but they were told that it was all part of the school, and right. that it was like an online school that also did traditional classes. The only schooling that they ever went to was they went to a library once. They just started rounding them up and put them on a bus and took them to the library for half a day. That was the only schooling that they ever had going on. Oh my god! And they were living in this hotel, but they had no food. So they were literally, they, they didn't have an option. There weren't really adults present to feed the kids or anything. So they were like stealing from supermarkets. They were dining and dashing just to feed themselves. Okay, this is a high school. Yes, that doesn't exist. So, uh, who sends their kids to high school and doesn't come home? Like who, like this is, what is this? This is all people. This is all like basically at risk youth. So the parents okay. aren't really a factor in a lot of this. Some probably don't really have their parents around. Okay. So, I, I got you. But somehow the football team played on ESPN, which is the ridiculous thing. If this, if this school isn't real, how does ESPN even like find it? How does ESPN choose this school? So ESPN is placing blame on Paragon Marketing, which oh is, God. they've been contracted since the early 2000s to set up high school football games for ESPN to broadcast. I guess they've set up like 700 games over the course of the time that they've been doing this, whether it's ESPN or ESPN2 or ESPNU. And they claim that plenty of red flags did pop up during the process. At one point, like they were, all these questions were being asked by Paragon Marketing. For some reason, they just decided to go with it anyways. Like they couldn't verify the roster and teams were supposed to submit your roster pretty quickly so that they could verify it and verify who these players were so they could talk about well, this kid's going to be going to this college next year. This kid's going to be going to that college next year. That was part of the plan for the production, the broadcast, was to have all that information. Bishop Sycamore just never really provided Paragon Marketing or ESPN with any of this information. The second problem is on that Friday prior, they were supposed to have the coaches together for a production meeting just to kind of let them know, like, what you're going to expect with the broadcast. The game's going to be played, the time, timeouts, TV timeouts, stuff like that. Just so the coaches had an idea of what was going on, and they could meet the coaches before the game. Well, Roy Johnson didn't even show up to this, which (laughs) usually that would mean you're pulling the team. Paragon Marketing decided that they're they're still going to play the game anyways. Unbelievable. So Roy Johnson didn't show up. Because that Friday, now this this game was played on a Sunday. That Friday, Bishop Sycamore played another game. <laughs> so they played two games in three days. <laughs> <laughs> now, the other thing, too, is that ESPN does pay the schools a fee to play on this showcase. And Roy Johnson is pocketed that money. Unbelievable. Meanwhile, they were staying in this hotel. Roy Johnson never paid the hotel bill. When they mo- went to Canton to stay, somehow a parent got talked into putting their credit card up. And he's got like a $2,500 charge on his credit card now because he ended up paying for the block of hotel rooms for the night for them oh to stay. Oh, my God. So this Roy Johnson guy is pretty much a con artist. And when you look into the history of Bishop Sycamore, it looked like he founded the school as well, or what, what he claims is the school. So the media has been trying to take this legitimately, which this is the thing that I don't understand is why they're trying to take this legitimately, like why they're trying to act like Bishop Sycamore is still a school when it's not a school. <laughs> so they got onto the website, and they found another name. 
a guy named Andre Peterson. Now, this guy's a character. He is listed as the founder and director, whatever that means. Sure. And he claims to be the mind behind Bishop Sycamore. The way that he described it is kind of like Last Chance U, but for high schoolers. Sure. The problem is you need to be associated with a school for that, for the whole Last Chance U thing to work for football. Right. Apparently, Roy Johnson and Andre Peterson thought that they could do it by starting with the football program and building the school up afterwards, basically. <laughs> oh, my God. And they, then they interviewed this guy, and they had him up there as the founder and director. They li- literally interviewed him, like, in front of this, like, ghetto-ass house. And he's, like, wearing a T-shirt. <laughs> so they're asking him all these questions, and they're like, this seems like a scam. And I'm going to read the, cl- the quote that he said because he goes... There's nothing I could have gotten out of this that would constitute it as a scam because I'm not gaining anything financially from what we're doing. If it's a scam and the kids are not going to school and not doing what they're supposed to do, then I am literally scamming myself. So this guy's all in on the idea of Bishop Sycamore as the founder and director. (laughs) Now, the legal problems with the coach Roy Johnson have gotten to the point where it's like this guy's a serial con artist is basically what it is, but he's not a very successful one. So Andre Peterson later came out and said that he had fired Roy Johnson. So Roy (laughs) Johnson is not the football coach. Now, the reason that Andre Peterson gave for firing Roy Johnson is that he was mishandling player injuries and it wasn't anything to do with anything else that was going on. Unbelievable. What's even more ridiculous is Andre Peterson is also the offensive and defensive line coach of the team. <laughs> uh. So this guy who's a founder and director of the Bishop Sycamore High School claims that the school's legitimate, fires the head coach of the football team while also being the, <laughs> the offensive and defensive line coach. you got to be kidding me. So then they start interviewing some of the players. They start trying to figure out, well, who the hell are these kids that are playing? And they're looking at the teams, and it's like, okay, the one kid that they, people recognize as like a, a recruit back in 2020, but this was back in 2020, and this kid was like 19 or 20 years old by now. <laughs> there was another kid that was recognized as a good player, except this kid is registered and is on the roster. I don't know if he's on the roster, but he's registered at a high school in Baltimore, Maryland. <sighs> and when you, they look into it further, like most of the roster is kids over the age of 18. That went out there and played <laughs> and got the got the shit kicked out of them. Got their shit kicked out of them. So they had some they had like eight games scheduled and every team that was scheduled to play them has now canceled the game. Like even you know Lakewood St. Ed's out in the Cleveland area. Yeah. That's like one of the big powerhouses. So they were scheduled to play Bishop Sycamore this year. <laughs> Why didn't they pick like Cincinnati Mentor or something? Like one of the one of the big like or uh, I don't or know Maslin or. But that's know. the biggest question: is how the hell does this Perion marketing go with this Bishop Sycamore team with yeah. all the red flags that were already evident prior? With just a little bit of research, you can find out about all this stuff and decide to air the game anyway. <laughs> and ESPN just went along with it. The worldwide leader in sports just went along with this. Oh my gosh! So I'm almost done with this. But what I think was going on is that Roy Johnson had this idea for he saw last chance you on Netflix and being the con artist that he is he figured that he could turn this into last chance of you but for high schoolers now this guy has no qualifications to be doing any of this right but that's the first problem the number two problem is there is no money in high school football right the only way that you could theoretically make money is by getting on the ESPN and getting exposure <laughs> and pocketing that fee right the third problem is just you need to have a school in order to make this entire thing happen well you could theoretically have like a private charter school that puts together a football program with this idea in mind. But you can't start with a football team and then build the school after. You have to build the institution before, exactly. before you make the football so, team. And where he was actually going to make any money on this. I mean, Andre 
Peterson said it himself best as, I'm not making any money after this. I'm scamming myself if this is really a scam. So is Roy and Andre the only coaches? At one point last year, I guess they had a little bit more of a staff. And I think they got a little bit more of a staff this year. But at one point, they were down to Roy Johnson and one coach and a mom <laughs> last year. Because this has been going on since 2019. The school's been playing. This was their third season, technically. So what's their record? They haven't won a game. How could they even? Be, how could they even be? I don't know. How could? How could they what, even? What makes this? What makes this even more ridiculous? So they played IMG Academy out of Florida. They played IMG Academy last year, <laughs> and the same thing happened. Instead of being fifty to nothing, it was fifty-six to six last year. So oh IMG Academy God. knew that the school was complete shenanigans. Went along with playing them on ESPN anyway. Uh. It is the most ridiculous thing I've ever I've ever heard about. Like I feel like you should have a certain record to be even uh, considered. Apparently not. And what makes this even ridiculous is they are considered a member of they're listed as a member of an actual like a like a conference or a league. Sure. Except it's the Texas Christian Athletic <laughs> League. <laughs> and you, you should work for this company. What, what what was it called? That, that Paragon Marketing. You should work for this company. I just did a lot of research on this, but well, apparently more than them. Yeah, and every time I read a story about this, it just gets more ridiculous. Like the fact that the kids are twenty and twenty-one years old. What's the graduation rate of this school? Nobody is officially graduated, <laughs> and this is a non-traditional high school, so they might not even get out diplomas. Oh my gosh! And it's not accredited. Unbelievable. So Mike Dewine has launched an investigation on the whole thing, and there is no record of this in the Department of Education, so it's not like the Department of Education is at fault because it's a non-traditional, non-registered tax-exempt school. Anything, we, we could start a school right now, call it Bishop Bishop Benjamin High School that we're going to form. <laughs> Seriously, that's, it's, that's exactly what happened. Right. What makes the story even more ridiculous is Bishop Sycamore. You'd have to assume that there would be a bishop named Bishop Sycamore. Right. None. There's never in the history of the Catholic Church ever been anybody named Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> just, just a made up name that is absolutely hilarious so that's the bishop sycamore debacle that's it like that, i said that's probably the greatest news story we've ever had on the show it's very complicated and every day there's something new coming out about something that the players did or the players ages or Unreal. something that roy johnson did like not paying the hotel bills it's shenanigans it's we gotta we gotta keep following the story and see what happens to roy yeah He's probably going to be going to jail here pretty <laughs> probably. soon. Probably. But Andre Peterson claimed that his son's been in the program for four years. And he's like, if I've been scamming myself, I've been scamming my son too because he's part of this program. And Andre Peterson has been doubling down as every news story comes out. He claims that Bishop Sycamore is still a dream. Like, he's going to make it happen. Now, he's claiming that his son's been in the program for four years. How old is his son? We don't know. <laughs> Nobody knows. But um, he's claiming he's been in the program for four years, but the school's only existed for three years. Oh, my God. And supposedly it rose out of the ashes of another school these guys tried to start back in 2018 that fell apart in less than a year. This is great. But as of right now, as of the time that we're recording this, Bishop Sycamore is at least still trying to exist. I think probably all their games got canceled at this point. So how much did they pay Bishop Sycamore to be on ESPN? They didn't say. It wasn't It wasn't a ton. It wasn't enough to cover the traveling costs. Was it enough but, to pay back the, the mom who put their, her credit card up to pay for the I hotel? don't know about that. Oh but it doesn't gosh. matter because Roy Johnson pocketed all that cash immediately. Unbelievable. So that's Bishop Sycamore. But I think Bishop Sycamore is probably the high school that Manti Teo's girlfriend went to. <laughs> God damn it. We'll see if that makes the show or not because we're already, <laughs> we're already way over on time. But. So, Pat, great news story, but what are we getting into today? This week, and this is Ben's topic, we're going to be talking about craziest hoaxes. And if you've been listening to this episode, Bishop Sycamore could Bishop probably Bishop Sycamore be, could probably make, probably make the, make the cut. 
That's so funny. Anyways, do you have any crazy hoaxes? Have you ever heard of the Hitler Diaries? I have. Do you have this one? I do not. Sweet. So, in 1983, a German Newsweekly publication claimed that one of its reporters, Gerd Heidemann, stumbled upon a set of secret diaries, apparently written by none other than Adolf Hitler himself. Now, the publication is called Der Stern. Now, I don't know if it's pronounced Der Stern. I'm assuming it is. I took German in high school. You're the German major, yeah. I I, 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 but I really don't remember how, you know, correct pronunciation. You know who's an expert on German? Tim. It's Tim. He's Tim's an expert on basically everything. Pretty much everything. But Anyways. If I'm wrong, please correct me. Tweet us at 30 in the, or comment on Facebook if I get any of these, if I get any of my uh, spelling wrong. Sure. But yeah, so these diaries were written by Adolf Hitler. Uh, b- b- before Der Stern um, got the diaries from the reporter, they were apparently hidden for dec- decades by a dude named Dr. Fisher after they were discovered in a Dresden area plane crash in 1945. Interesting. Right. Um, but before the diaries were published, Der Stern did some tests to authenticate it and make sure they were real. They did three separate handwriting tests. And all came back good. And after those three tests, they did no other tests on the on the diary. Okay. <laughs> so when it was published, a bunch of German, like World War II experts, and most of them were skeptics, um, along with West Germany's Federal Archives, they ran scientific tests on the uh, on the diary. Sure. And the tests and research turned out that the publication had been fooled. That the research uh, test showed that the historical shit that were in the diaries were a lot of them were inaccurate. Okay. And the test showed that it was written in modern ink and modern paper. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's pretty, this is really funny. Uh, a guy named Kanrad Kujua, who was infamous for Stuttgart forger. He was a Stuttgart forger, whatever the hell that means. Sure. Was revealed as the hoaxer. And Heidemann, the reporter, was involved in the plan as well. They don't really know. Uh, obviously, he came out with the story, but they don't They don't really know if he came up with the full story or the other guy came up with the full story. Okay. But uh, they were in cahoots in some way. Sure. They both profited four to six million dollars. Wow. This, this is this is what the publication paid for the diaries. Without even fully they did three handwriting tests. That's the only test they did on it. That's hilarious. And they paid four to six million dollars uh for these diaries. Now do these guys get in trouble? Yes. They both ended up going to jail. See, that's they both bullshit. they both ended up getting, you know, for forgery embezzlement. I guess yeah, yeah. embezzlement. And uh um the guy's wife, Kajua or K- Kujua. Sure. Kajau. I don't know how to say it. His wife, his wife got sent to jail too, because apparently she was in on it too. Now, what's funny is other publications caught wind of this before it was reported as a hoax. They wanted to buy these. <laughs> the, the, the Sun, the Sunday Times, over across the board, I mean, uh, across the pond, they paid two hundred and fifty thousand euros and they for publishing rights, and they wanted to start serializing these diaries. Oh they God. wanted to start putting it out. Before it was even fully authenticated. So people were just going crazy over these Hitler diaries. That's like, hilarious. Every, everybody wanted to believe they were real. And these guys got paid 4 to $6 million for this. Ad, but they ended up getting caught. Sure. But that's a pretty crazy hoax to come up with. Yeah, that's pretty good. And the fact that it got so far. Right. Uh, that, that's basically it. Uh, that's from um, science.howstuffworks.com. And there's a Sunday Time article on the situation as well. That's from The Guardian. Okay, that's cool. Is that all you got with that one? Yeah, basically. Mine aren't going to be as cool as that one. Mine are all kind of dumb. But this one is kind of funny. Have you ever heard of the Switzerland Spaghetti Harvest? <laughs> no. Okay. Basically, 
on April Fool's Day in 1957, one of our favorite TV networks, BBC, okay. ran a two-and-a-half-minute segment uh, on their show called Panorama, which was like one of their like nightly news shows or something. Sure. The show was called Panorama. And the segment featured the spaghetti harvest in southern Switzerland along the Italian border. So you know how down in like the Alps you got the Swiss border and you got Italy's like right there? Yeah. So this was discussing the spaghetti harvest. So, what the video featured was women in Swiss-style clothing cutting spaghetti strands off of a tree and gathering them up in baskets. The video explained that the Swiss spaghetti harvest was more bountiful than usual this year thanks to a mild winter and the sudden disappearance of the spaghetti weevil. (laughs) Although, the Swiss spaghetti harvest would never be nearly what the Italian spaghetti harvest is every year. (laughs) Now, this aired in 1957, and this was one of the earliest days of, like, TV broadcasting. Sure. So, you can watch the video, and this is my source of the video from YouTube, basically. I did a little research outside of that, but it's kind of funny to watch. Like, it's it's convincing. Like, it it looks like they're just cutting off spaghetti from the tree. Now, obviously, we know that spaghetti doesn't grow on trees. Correct. In 1957, spaghetti was not something that made its way to Britain at that point. In, like, to the point where everybody knew what spaghetti was. Sure. So, it was like a weird exotic dish so they ran the story and the bbc kept on getting calls in like we want a spaghetti tree how do you grow one how can i get one? Oh my god and they got hundreds of calls inquiring about this because they thought this was the greatest thing ever and it looked it looked pretty good like i'm not gonna like it sure, looked, sure like in the 1950s shit you wouldn't know you wouldn't know right what really sold the story was richard dimbleby was like the big anchor on the bbc and he was a big panorama guy like the big one of the most trusted names in british news at the time hmm. and he played right along and read the read the script for the video as it was playing. So that sold it to everybody because Richard Dimbleby's not going to be lying to us. Right. The whole story was hatched by uh, a cameraman named Charles the Jaeger, like in Jaegermeister, Charles the Jaeger, and Panorama editor Michael Peacock. And they approved a 100-pound budget for the video. The Jaeger went home and basically got people that he knew to shoot the video. He was able to, conv- he was able to just produce it really quickly. Unreal. And uh, after that aired, BBC banned itself from running any April Fool's Day jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of funny that's hilarious. Harvest. that's hilarious a lot of people bought into it and you're watching it on the bbc this was back when everybody trusted what was going on on the tv anyways right it was hilarious and you know how like the british had that really dry humor like it's it's delivered really well like it could be like a dry comedy skit <laughs> right but anyways that's the spaghetti harvest in switzerland that's fantastic i thought that one's kind of funny you got your next one all right, my second one. Pat, remember Monte Teo's girlfriend? Yes. <laughs> so, Manti Teo was the star linebacker for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in 2012. Yep. Now, Teo said that he was involved in a relationship with a girl named Lene Kekua. Can we talk about Manti Teo a little bit before we get into this? Sure, go ahead. Because he was a big player. Like, he was yeah, second, he was huge. He was second in uh, the Heisman voting. He was a well-known national college football player. Yes. He wasn't much of a pro, but he was a very recognizable player. He played for Notre Dame, which was a recognizable college. And so he was a, he was a big deal before this whole story started. Like, he was a right. well-known player that everybody who followed college football knew. And honestly, I think this hurt his NFL career. I think he would have been a, a better this, player. This didn't help anything. This could, didn't help anything, this story. I, I think this really screwed up his, his mental state. And yeah. I, I think he would have played better if this never happened. Anyways. Yeah, so he was involved in a relationship with a girl named Lene Kakua, who lived in Hawaii, which is his home state. Yes. Now, while he was away at school, Teo said that he rarely saw her except for you know, time away from his, just a couple times away from his really busy football schedule. Correct. A lot of training, even out, even during the off season, they do a lot of training yeah. and, you know, yada, yada, yada. He's a busy guy. 
Definitely. I was good until 2012 when allegedly Kakua was involved in a near fatal car accident, then diagnosed with leukemia, and then died. Yep. Teo not long after revealed that she never existed. And the social media accounts were fake. Photos were used from a different woman, and I guess her name was like Donna, and she had never seen him, never met him ever in her life. Yep. Didn't I don't even think she really knew who he was. Cause Not really. She didn't, she didn't really pay attention to football. But the person that, that he had been meeting in Hawaii, because he was actually going to meet somebody, yeah, claiming to be Kakua, was actually a guy named Renaya Tuai. Tuiasa Sopo. Tuiasa Sopo, yes. Who had, uh, he basically, it was basically like a catfish type situation. Yes. And he planned out to just to fuck with his head. Basically. And inventing this bogus relationship and personality. And But this guy was actually somewhat of acquaintance, an acquaintance of Teo. Like yeah, he, he, already, he, that he, he knew, knew him yeah. prior. Yeah. And yeah, and he he ended up admitting that he was kind of the guy behind it. But that that's absolutely terrible. How do you do that to somebody? And Teo went along with it. That's he, the weirdest. He, he kept pushing it. That's it, the weirdest thing. It's like, dude, how? Why would you keep going along? Why, why would you do that? And the funny thing about that is, I remember watching one of the games, and they had an on-field interview with Teo, like right after the game. Yeah, I remember like, that. Manti Teo's played. His girlfriend died last week, and his grandma died last <laughs> week, both in leukemia. And Manti Teo's out here, and oh he played. God. And they were talking about how emotional it was, how all this loss and everything. And it's like, man, that's crazy. His girlfriend died. It's like he didn't need any more attention. Yeah. So this guy, the star football player, who probably could have had any girl he really wanted. Literally. Is in a relationship, <laughs> an online relationship with a with guy. A, with a dude. You know, you know he... He, Never, he, he pushed it forward because he didn't want to admit he was catfished. Yeah. He didn't want to admit that he had an online relationship because, like you said, he could get any girl he wanted. Yeah. He could have went down the street to a bar and got a girl. He but, didn't want to admit he was in an internet relationship. It was bizarro world was what it was. Yeah, it was absolutely insane. And then it's kind of it was one of those that kind of slowly unraveled over time. Right. And it's like, well, we're looking at his social media. We can't find any evidence of this girl. There's no pictures of them together. Like, what couple doesn't have a picture together? Right. And we can't find this person's name anywhere. And at one point, it was like she was a student somewhere, but they couldn't ever find a record of her, let alone a death certificate or anything about her dying. And then it's just slowly unraveled over time. And it was it was investigative journalism, probably that is what uncovered yeah, the whole thing. Definitely, yep. And then you find out that the guy was behind it the entire time, <laughs> and he had like a fake voice that he was using on phone calls. Yeah, yeah. And then at one point, like he like actually fell in love with Manti Teo or something throughout the entire thing. Unbelievable, <laughs> bizarre. Yeah, well, this dude, is a guy that was getting ready to go into the pros, and it's like, you can't come up with a worse red flag than this outside of something <laughs> criminal. Unreal. Like, how, like... <sighs> and nobody's heard from him since. This is pretty much ruined, <laughs> it's pretty much ruined his life. I 100%. Mean, it all... All because of pride, in my in my opinion. He, yeah. did, he just didn't want to admit that he was catfished. Yeah, that one was... <laughs> that's one of those I still, what, eight, nine years later, I still haven't yeah. processed it's, that it's, one. It's so it's funny, so man. Funny. It's so insane. Anyways, is that all you got with Manti Teo? Yeah, that was from broadbandchurch.net. Sure, and that's one that we, we lived through, so... <laughs> Anyways, my next one... This one is a, this one's kind of dumb, but I think it's funny. Have you ever heard of the Liberty Bell? Yes. On April first, nineteen ninety six, Taco Bell ran an ad in seven of the biggest American newspapers, including the New York Times, hmm. with a headline reading: "Taco Bell buys the Liberty Bell." And the ad declares that the move was made in an effort to reduce the national debt. And throughout the ad, it says that the Liberty Bell will now be called the Taco Liberty Bell. <laughs> What was the national debt in 1996? It was bad, but it wasn't that bad. It wasn't as bad as it was now. But Taco Bell bought the Liberty Bell, <laughs> and 
declares kind of the top code of Liberty Bell. So people obviously believe this because it looked like it was a legitimate advertisement. Right. So then at noon, they had to hold a press conference declaring that it was a hoax. But then, like, the U.S. Department of whatever... I think the Department of the Treasury had to go out and, like, they were out there talking about it. And they made a joke that the Lincoln Memorial was being sold to the Ford Motor Company. That's not even the Lincoln Mercury Memorial. <laughs> but At least they're joking. That's yeah, funny. That's a dumb one to talk to Liberty Bell. That's all I got for that. That's funny. But, you know, re- re- real quick, I guess it was a very successful advertising campaign. And it was it was an advertising campaign is what it was. Sure. Framed up as an April Fool's Day joke. Within a couple of days, Taco Bell sales increased like over a million dollars. No shit. And they ended up estimating that the, that the advertisement campaign brought in $25 million in total revenue. <laughs> oh, my God. So it's considered one of the most successful advertising campaigns of all time, basically. That's incredible. I thought that was pretty funny. That's hilarious. So that, that's my second one. That's all I got with that. It's kind of dumb. So did Taco Bell actually run the ad? They or? ran the ad in seven newspapers. So you open oh, up the okay. New York Times. It just wasn't some random dude that. Yeah, no. Taco okay. Bell. The Taco Bell. This was. That's funny. Well, their marketing, their marketing department, or the marketing company that they. That's but funny. you open up the newspaper. Taco Bell <laughs> buys Liberty Bell. <laughs> That's funny. That's smart. That's smart. Yeah, and it worked. Yeah, So no that's shit. all I got for that one. You got any more? I got one more. You ever heard of the backward B hoax? No, I can't say that I have. Right before the 2008 election, a John McCain campaign volunteer, Ashley Todd, claimed that she was mugged at an ATM by an Obama supporter who assaulted her and carved a backward B on her cheek. Okay. <laughs> now, this might not seem crazy but this was huge this gained national attention and this really put a damper on john mccain and this was like this was like october 2008 so this was just weeks before the the election sure so this is actually huge for john mccain and uh i thought i might remember this now that i think about it yeah the the hoax was uncovered really quickly and todd admitted that she ended up carving her own face using a mirror now this isn't really the first time she she did this and i think that um she has some like mental issues Sure. Uh, because she's done this before. Uh, according to the October 25th article in the Pittsburgh uh, Post-Gazette, in February of 2008, she claimed that her car's tires had been slashed and campaign material had been stolen for her because she supported Republican politician Ron Paul. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, I guess she has, like, memory loss issue, too, because she doesn't really remember carving the bee into her face, but she, I, I guess she carved the bee in her car mirror. Like, she was using her rearview mirror, and she carved the bee, hence the bee, because the bee was backwards. She was I carving guess. it herself. If somebody carved something on her face, it would be the right <laughs> way. <laughs> So that was probably that was, you're saying that that was accidental. Yeah. Oh my so god. So it's like she she botched the hoax for one. Two, she completely just destroyed John McCain's campaign because now they then once it came out that it wasn't real, they called him a race baiter because she claimed that it was a black guy that went up to her and I get allegedly the black guy said you're gonna be an Obama supporter now after he carved the B into her face. So the B for Barack or for Obama? Yeah, uh, Obama. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, B for Barack. I yeah, apparently. Okay. It would make more sense to do an O. Probably a lot yeah. easier to carve as well. Yeah. But it's like, what kind of mental state do you have to be in to, to carve? Something in your face. A letter in your own face. Uh, is she still alive? Yes, she so is she's, still So she's alive. probably got that song on her face today. Yeah, she she ended up, well, she ended up getting charged with something as a first-time offender. So she must have not been charged for the prior 2000, February 2008 sure. hoax. Yeah. Because nothing really, I don't think anything really happened with that. But yeah. I guess she uh, uh, got some, like, med- uh, mental health counseling. and. Oh, I should hope so. Yeah, uh, that's, just, that's just ridiculous. But good way to just completely destroy John 
McCain's campaign. <laughs> Can you imagine me, John McCain? Anyways, you got any more with that? Nope, that's it. I got one more. This one, uh, this one I've known about for a while. And the first time that I heard about this one was my father was telling me about this. Now, the original thing happened in 1985. I think it was republished later without people without saying that it was a hoax. And I don't know if my father knew about it and was messing with me or if he actually bought into this one as well. Have you ever heard of Sid Finch? Sid Finch. Finch. Uh. Yep. Sid Finch was the brainchild of a guy named George Plimpton, who was a sports writer for Sports Illustrated. Basically, the magazine recognized that their April, their first April issue was going to air on 18, or was going to be published on April 1st, 1985. And the editors were like, hey, George, uh, we want you to do an article about hoaxes and April Fool's Day jokes within sports. And he was researching. He's like, well, I can't really find anything. And he's like, hey, I got an idea. What if I came up with my own hoax and ran an article? as if it was a real thing in SI and the guys were like you know what that sounds like a good idea let's go with it <laughs> so he created this player by the name of Sid Finch Sid Finch was a six foot four inch pitcher in camp he was a rookie in camp with the New York Mets previously unheard of by everybody in sure. the baseball world but he was in training camp with the New York Mets and April 1st is the perfect time because training camps or spring training is going on so he wrote this article about Sid Finch Sid Finch was a pitcher now his real name was Hayden Siddhartha Finch better known as Sid he was basically adopted by a British architect after surviving a plane crash and had studied across the world at one point he was at Harvard eventually he traveled to Tibet and learned like from like the monks out there in Tibet but he was a pitcher and he was in camp with the Mets now he's a very eccentric guy he only wore one shoe when he pitched and it was a big like a big ass hiking boot and he was also not committed to baseball entirely because he also had a passion for the French horn and he always had the French horn with him every time he was just in training or whatever the French horn was always with him okay now what made what made Sid Finch incredible is that he could throw the baseball 168 miles an hour oh my god which the fastest pitchers can only throw about 100 the fastest pitch ever has been 105 Right. So 168 miles an hour is incredible. It's yeah. it's unhittable beyond unhittable. And he could also throw it with pinpoint accuracy. He could throw a strike every time. And he wrote this big article, and there were even pictures of Sid Finch in this article wearing the Mets uniform and talking with a pitching coach and talking with some of the players. So the article had pictures in it of this guy. Unreal. And Mets fans were like, we haven't heard of this guy. How have we not heard of this guy? And according to the article, when he was in Tibet, he had studied under the great poet Saint Lama Milarespa. <laughs> And with studying with this guy, he learned the secrets of the yogic mastery of mind-body, which allowed him to throw the baseball that fast. So he's like some like weird Tibetan. He'd get into some like weird Tibetan trance where he'd be like one with his body and yeah. with the force, and he could throw a baseball 168 miles an hour. This this right here just proves how absolutely gullible people are. This <laughs> yeah. is the most unbelievable story I've ever heard. <laughs> so. And the pictures honestly sealed the deal because there was pictures with him with the Mets pitching coach. And George Plimpton talked to the team beforehand. And was like, hey, I'm going to do a story. If you guys play along, that's great. And they're like, honestly, it sounds like fun. Let's do it. So the pitching coach was posing for pictures with the guy. They had pictures of him in camp with the players with his French horn and with him only wearing his <laughs> one shoe. And the guy's name was Joe Burton that they got to actually do this. Sure. And he was just some tall, lanky, weird-looking guy. Perfect for this character. 
Right. He was an art teacher. That's what his career was. But he was like, hey, shit, this sounds like fun. Dress me up in a Mets uniform. So they ran this in this article that published on April 1st. And everybody's reading through the magazines and they were like, this is incredible. This is going to change baseball. This guy, how can you hit this guy? Is it safe to have him out there? It was ridiculous. Like it, it took the media by storm. Sure. So first of all, rival Major League Baseball GM started calling the commissioner about this guy. Two different GMs called and were like, hey, first of all, is this a real thing? Second of all, is it going to be safe for this guy to be thrown that fast? Like, is this, a, <laughs> this, they were trying to say it was a safety issue. So then this was SI, Sports Illustrated, that published the article. The Mets had plenty of newspapers in New York that cover the team extensively. So the the newspapers are pissed off at the Mets. They're like, how the hell did you let Sports Illustrated break the story? Why don't you tell us first? We've been in camp with you. Why don't you tell us about this guy first? There were other newspapers that had beat writers in camp for the Mets. So guys that their entire job morning the night was following the Mets and writing about that. They were like getting ready to fire the beat writers. Like, how the hell did you miss the story, Unreal. guys? <laughs> and then all the big networks sent their best reporters down to New York or down to the training camp or spring training to meet Sid. They wanted to, they wanted to know about it. So on April 2nd, they sent a whole bunch of people down there. And they had a press conference on April 2nd. And Sid Finch came out, but it was really that Joe Burton guy, and announced that he was retiring from baseball, and that he had chosen the, <laughs> he had chosen the French horn and said, "Oh my God!" Now, throughout the article, there were plenty of hints given that there was a joke throughout the original publication of this article. Sure. So SI ran a second article the next week talking about his retirement and how sad it is that he's never going to play, but just like a second article, like a follow-up. And then it wasn't until April 15th where they ran a third article declaring that it was actually a hoax. But for a day, New York Mets fans thought that they were getting the greatest pitcher of all time. That is unbelievable. And people bought Wait, into it. How can you How can you buy that? That's, that's the most ridiculous story it ever. It is ridiculous, <laughs> but this is 1985. There, is not, there wasn't sports information. Like, you couldn't... Everything that you learned was through a publication. So if it's SI writing about it, it has to be true. No, it doesn't. This is 1985. This, this the is, internet this doesn't is exist. Eight, this is 1885. The internet doesn't exist yet, or didn't exist back then. Yeah, but people have read public. Like you said, the, the vector of information was publications. People know how publications are, just yeah. like we know how the internet is. Apparently we, not. I mean, you can see. Like you, CBS and Fox and NBC sent their best people down there to cover this. <sighs> Gosh. And what's what's even hilarious is as the story broke, like there's the media frenzy, and there was a guy in a news sports talk show that claimed that he had seen him pitch in person, and was saying, <laughs> "Oh yeah, oh I know, God. I knew about, I knew about this guy, and I've even seen him pitch." Oh like, yeah, I know. Trying to claim, <laughs> trying to claim that that he knew the, that he knew about the story the entire time. So uh, that's Sid Finch. That's hilarious. It's funny. Two remember, two really good sport stories from Pat today. I guess. But that's hilarious. That's one of my favorite stories, and I've known about that one for a while. So I figured that was a perfect. That's a good one. Perfect one to yeah. finish up this episode with. Do you have anything else with this one? That's this about week? it. Uh, let me get the stats out real quick. Sure. Do you have any funny comments or any funny riddles before we get out of here tonight? Um, I might have a. I actually might have a fact here. Oh, okay, this is a good one. This is from Mind Blowing Facts. I found this the other day. Benjamin Franklin left the cities of Philadelphia and Boston two thousand dollars in his will, but the full balance couldn't be drawn for two hundred years. In nineteen ninety, the cities received. 6.5 million dollars wow isn't that crazy that's ridiculous that's insane now knowing those cities that that money probably got squandered pretty quickly definitely the franklin fund <laughs> anyways before we get out of here let's do a rundown of the stats real quick we're up to 21 41 in terms of listens so that's not bad awesome uh we have had 25 unique listeners within the last seven days but at one point this week that was up to 34 that's good so we had 34 unique people hitting the show which i think is better than what i would assume that we would based on what we've advertised. Awesome. Uh, episode one is still our most popular, but the landscaping episode is closing in pretty quickly. I've been getting some good feedback about the show. Like People have been saying good things. So yeah. Anyways, you have anything else before you get out of here? That's it from me. Uh, please check us out on Facebook. 
Please check us out on Twitter. I don't know what else we got. Xbox Live, I guess. Yeah, and check us out on, you know, basically anywhere you get your podcast. Yep, Amazon. We talked about Amazon last week. I got a lot yep. of questions about that, the whole Amazon <laughs> negotiations. Uh, Amazon, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, We're on a couple I've never heard of. Breaker, I guess yeah, that's a good something one. something like that. And Pocket Casts. Yeah, Pocket Casts. So we're on a bunch of different platforms. You can find us. Please tweet us at 30 in though. We'll get a YouTube channel up at some point. Yeah, people, definitely. People have been asking about that. They want to see like a live, like a video episode. So we might have to make that happen at some point. Yeah, we'll work that out somehow. Anyways, it's about time to get out of here. So thank you very much, guys, for listening. Peace. Previously, astronomer, astronomers thought... Cut. Previously, astronomers thought it would turn into a planetary nebula, a luminous bubble of gas and dust, until evidence suggested it would have to be fair a bit more massive. The international team of astronomer, astronomers... Why can't I say that damn word? <laughs> astronomers flipped it again in 2018 and found that the planetary nebula is needed the most uh, likely solar corpse is okay let me start over this fucking thing <laughs> like what the hell <laughs> okay cut dude this metro uk sucks like it's so chopped look at so they have the headline here then it has a picture of it in his gut then it has this little bit this little bit oh my God. then it, you have to get past all this shit and the article goes on after that? Yeah. What? Yeah, so I was getting kind of jacked up when I was reading it. That's but the dumbest I, thing I've I'm ever not going to... Uh, endoscopy. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's how you say that. Endoscope and endoscopy. Endoscopy. Or am I tripping? Is that how you say that? Yeah, okay. Endoscopy. Endoscopy, okay. So the guy didn't know what kind of phone he swallowed? He just ate it. I think he knowed. Uh, God, I think he knew what. <laughs> I think he knew what he swallowed. He just wanted to see if he could swallow it. Apparently. <laughs> Anyways, do you have any crazy hoaxes? Yeah, I got. It. Do you do you want to start or do you, or do you want me to start? Can I make a joke real quick that sure. I forgot about? Sure. Back to Bishop Sycamore real quick. This might be getting cut. But I think Bishop Sycamore is probably the high school that Manti Teo's girlfriend went to. <laughs> God damn it. You're Anyways. running you're running that one, are you? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Damn it. <laughs> I knew you would I knew you would do that. Wait. One. Wait. Is that one of your hoaxes? Yeah. That's not one of my hoaxes. That's just something oh. funny. That's just oh, something funny that I, that's just something funny that I thought of. Yeah, Monte Teo's one of my hoaxes. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, that was just something funny that I thought about as, oh, I, was that's, working, okay. as I was reading about Bishop Sycamore. Okay, I was good. like, "That's guy's gotta be where Manti Taylor's girlfriend went." So that's so funny. Why don't we jump right in then? <laughs> What's your first hoax? All right, my first hoax. Without cutting into the stomach by taking it out in three pieces with a and uh, uh, how do you say that? Uh, and uh, endoscopy, endoscopy, How do you say? Fuck, you say that? And. And endoscopy. Endo- endoscopy. There we go. There. We'll go with that. Pieces with the uh, endos- endoscopy. If I say that wrong, tweet us at thirty. Comment on uh, Facebook. Uh, <laughs> don't don't be afraid to criticize me. Okay. It's like I swallowed a cell phone, and it's like, of course you did. Then you fire up the X-ray machine. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> shit. Okay. He swallowed a cell phone. <laughs>
That's so funny. Right.